Hi, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. For months, we take time to prepare and educate ourselves on this new adventure of motherhood. But as we all know, once the baby is born, we're still left with so many questions and need all the help we can get. Women really should have a sense of empowerment as they begin to experience these life-changing moments. And no one mother has it all figured out. However, the more informed we are, the better decisions we can make that will positively affect us and our family. And that's what this podcast is about. Sharing honest, raw, and real conversations about motherhood, life, and all of the crazy, messy, beautiful in-betweens. To hopefully educate, empower, and support the next mother on her motherhood journey. So sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I'm on with a very special guest, Mrs. Rebecca Linney, and she is a mompreneur, which is an entrepreneur and mom for those that don't know. She authored her first children's book after struggling to find a way to get her young son to sleep in his own bed throughout the night. As a longtime resident of San Diego, California, Rebecca graduated from CSUSM. So that is California State. San Marcos. Ah, okay. <laughs> With a BFA in communication, landing speaking roles at San Diego Startup Week and on site at USD. Rebecca inspires others struggling and tired parents to appeal to their child's sense of empathy and desire to grow up. She currently resides in Carlsbad, California. Rebecca, it's a pleasure to have you on. I am excited to talk with you um, because I'm dealing with some bed issues and going to bed with my son. But before we dive into that, why don't you share anything you'd like, family life, career, hobbies, and then we'll talk about your motherhood journey and inspiration into creating the growing bed. Terrific. Well, thanks for having me. My name, as you mentioned, is Rebecca, and I've lived in San Diego since I was about five years old. So I'm as kind of as close to a San Diego native as you get. There's a quite a transit community here in San Diego with the big military presence, but grown up here in San Diego and then went away to Texas for college to start college and then came back here and, and wrapped up my college degree locally. I've been married for 11 years with my husband for 16 years and our son just recently turned eight. So it's been, a, it's been a festive summer over here with celebrating his birthday. And as far as jobs go, I've just been able to add author to my, to my resume, which was not intended when I set out on my career journey, but it's been a, it's been a welcome addition to the resume. I also have a executive job, if you will. And then all the other jobs we as women take on like room mom and you know, all that. Good stuff. So you are an executive, you're, you're an actual career woman, career mom, as well as creating a business of, of being an author and, and creating this book. I am. I've always liked having many irons in the fire. So for the past 15, 16 years, I've run an international design agency. You know, 16 years in, it's kind of a well-oiled machine at this point and not a very creative job anymore or, or a job in which I can be very creative it, it, that's not what that is. So coming up with the, with the idea for the book and then seeing it to fruition has been a great creative outlet for me. Absolutely. No. Yeah. And especially you've been working for a place for many years. So you have that you're like, okay, kind of what's next. That's, that's awesome. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your motherhood journey. You said your son is eight years old. What was that like? And what was that inspiration then to create the growing, the growing bed? So The Growing Bed is a book that I hope no one needs 
but I'm sure most people will need. <laughs> so that's probably not the best way to market something, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those ideas and I'll, and I'll expand more on how the idea came to me, but it's, it's one of those things you hope like a life raft, you hope you'll never need it. But when mm-hmm. you do, you're, you're so thankful that it's there. Right. So my son did not sleep well through the night till he was about four years old. So I was very tired for a very long time. And I think you mentioned your son's right around that four year mark, but you mentioned that your son has been a good sleeper up until now, which I'm very envious of because, well, my son was amazing at a lot of things. Like he always took his medicine really well. He um, never fussed about getting a haircut. Like a lot of things that other children do fuss about. He just was terrific with, but sleeping, not one of them. So it was a very rough four years in our family. So I combined that pain point that my husband and I were sharing of sleeplessness with the pain point that my son was often experiencing, which was the fact that he's a little bit smaller than the average bear. He, he, nothing's wrong with him. He's just a little, he's little, you know, and he wasn't able to do a lot of the things that his friends that were his age were able to do like ride on the roller coasters or go on the water slides. Mm -hmm. And that was really confusing to him. Why, you know, his friends that were younger were able to do that and he couldn't. So in what I'm sure was a sleep deprived state one night, I came up with the idea to combine his pain point and my pain point. And I said to my son, you know, when you come into mommy and daddy's bed, we're done growing. We're just resting. We're relaxing. We're recharging. You therefore aren't growing. You're in the wrong bed. You need to go back to your bed, which is the growing bed. And it was this like light bulb moment for him. And it, you know, I won't say it changed his sleep overnight, but it was a drastic difference almost within the next day. And that's yeah. kind of where we came up with their growing bed. And tell me when you're saying, cause I, I feel like there's so many different, I don't want to say sleeping issues, but so many things that parents struggle with sleeping. So my sister, actually my niece, kind of similar to your situation, she was never a good sleeper, like at all. She just would wake up every few hours. Like it was like, mm-hmm. and my, my sister breastfed. So mm-hmm. You know, she was like, I don't know if that has something. She tried bottle, like all these different things. And sure. now she'll be two and she's still kind of the same thing. She'll wake up. It's It seemed to be longer stretches, but it's still getting up in the middle of the night. Then you have some instances where, you know, the child just gets up and oh, it's always going to the parents. So what were the kind of, did he just not want to sleep? Did he not want to go in his bed? Like, what was it? Because you're saying for almost up to four years, was it always from the crib? Did he have to go in your room? Like, what was that like? I think he really just wanted to be near my husband and I. He would sleep just fine in our bed all night long if we caved in on any particular night, which all of us parents have done. And even at eight years old, sometimes he can sleep with mommy and daddy's like a treat, you know, or while we're away or something, but not regularly. When at sometimes we would set up like a little sleeping corner in our room, just desperate Mm -hmm. for a good night's sleep. And him just being three or four or five feet away from us in our room was enough for him. So I think it was just what do they say that FOMO, the kids that have FOMO, the fear of missing out, he, as though we were having a circus or a carnival in our bedroom, like little do they know, we're really just like catching up on the news and actually trying to sleep. But, you know, he would, sometimes he would start off the night in his bed and then eventually the the getting up sure. coming in our room. And then, then you have to make that awful decision. Well, do you just cave in and let him come into our bed so that we can sort of get a good night's sleep? Or do you walk him back? put him in his bed and know that you're going to be doing that routine 
all night long. <laughs> and it's crazy because with my son, when I say he was a good sleeper, there were times, especially when I think when we transitioned him or as he got older, he would wake up. And let me tell you, if I brought him in our room, I would stay up until he fell asleep and put him back in that crib. I was mm -hmm. such like, I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to let him be getting comfortable in our bed. And then mm -hmm. for us, he's watched like my parents got him into Scooby-Doo. Mm -hmm. All the monsters and the mummies. So he's like, mommy, there's a monster in my room. Yeah. So ours, I think is a little combination of, I think he does get a little separation and the FOMO of wanting to be with us monsters and I'm scared of the dark. So that's what we're, what, where we're at. And, and I've lost the, the strength to wait up. Like I did before. There are some times sure. I don't even hear him come in the room. Cause I'm like that out. And then I'm like, Oh shoot, mm -hmm. he's, he's in our bed. I'm like, Oh yeah, he did come in our bed. And I'm like, Oh, I fell back asleep and I can't wait up, you know, to put him back in his room. And so that's where we're at, but, and he's eight now. So how, so you created this book four years ago? I can, well, I came up with the idea for the growing oh, bed gotcha, four gotcha. years ago. And then as a lot of us mothers do, you know, we commiserate with other moms, the playground or in the pickup line at school or whatnot. And, you know, if, if another friend was going through something similar, I would say, Hey, you know, this is what worked for us. Why don't you try it out? And enough friends and other people said, you know what, that's a decent idea, Rebecca, maybe you should do something with that, write it down. I'm like, I'm not an author, come on, you know, it was never on my bucket list ever, it never really was, and uh, I, I say now I'm an accidental author, because I never set out to create a children's book, but when you hear enough feedback of the same kind from people who kind of know what they're talking mm -hmm. about in, in different fields, you start to listen. And then one of my really good girlfriends had started publishing a book as well, started writing a book. And she was the first real person I knew who had written a book, not a, a, a famous celebrity or someone far away or a well-known person. So it wasn't a case of, well, if she could do it, I can do it. It was like, oh, well, Abby's writing a book, so maybe I could too. And then she introduced me to her publisher and the rest kind of just naturally progressed from there. Wow. So how did it, what was that process like? Because yeah, you have this idea of how it worked for your son. Did you really take the inspiration of kind of the conversations that you guys had to turn oh, it absolutely. into a character and how it works? Because yeah. I'll, I'll let the podcast world know I decided to get the book because like I said, I, I never thought of it as having a sleeping issue mm -hmm. because I'm like, all right, he's just getting in our bed. And then my husband's like, babe, like, we got to do something like he's, he's four now. Like when he was a baby, it's fine. He's like, but what is he going to be like? Like, when is it going to end? And I was like, right. Oh, you're right. And I mentioned possibly putting on the calendar so he could see maybe on a Friday, he could do it or a Saturday, give him a treat at the end of the week. But I was like, Oh, wait, I'm, I'm about to interview <laughs> an author who wrote a book. She, about, might know something, yeah. she might know something. So I ordered the book. So I'm excited to get it. So I haven't thank yet you, read you. it, but mm -hmm. yeah. Tell me how was that process like to create the characters? What I was that process like? You know, I had the idea, obviously, four years ago, and, and I met with the publisher, and she said, great, send me the manuscript. And I'm like, okay, then I should probably write this idea down. So I, I rough drafted it and sent her, you know, a couple hundred words, and, and it was more of a, just the gist of the book, right? And she calls me back, and she says, Rebecca, I have seven grandchildren, and I wish I had this book. And I said, oh, does that mean you're going to pick it up. And she said, absolutely. Let's, let's do it. So then I had to find an illustrator because while I knew the story in my head, I can't draw a straight line, which is kind of ironic considering I run a design agency, but I always just say, I can find the people who can 
draw and create, but I, I literally, so I sat down, I had this story outlined and I knew what I wanted the imagery to look like. So I, I started on page one and went all the way to the end of the page and drew the whole book in the most rudimentary stick figures you have ever seen in your life. And then started interviewing a couple illustrators, found the two I liked the most and asked them to draw their version of the main character of the book, of the book, which is a little boy named Andy. My son's name's Anderson. And so I don't know if he'll ever go by Andy, but if he doesn't, at least there's Andy in the book. So that's kind of how that, that process went. And then just went back and forth with the illustrator to, to perfect the, the imagery. And he was wonderful. An illustrator out of Michigan who had done another children's book before very different concept, but he was just really, really great to work with. That's awesome. And how long did the whole process take from, I guess, from the idea of kind of reaching out and saying, okay, you know what, maybe I'll do something with this to actually getting the book finalized, seeing it. And what was that like when you got it in your hands? I got the acceptance letter from the publisher in early February of 2020. So just before the world shut down with COVID last March. So I got the acceptance letter in February and then just, I would say January or February of this year, did I have the actual hard physical copy in my hand. So it took a little over a year start to finish once I put pen to paper, but obviously, you know, like we talked about the idea that had been kind of ticking over my head for a few years and it probably would have gone a lot faster in all honesty, once I started pen to paper, had it not been for the pandemic, but I don't need to finish that sentence. And we've all been affected with everything taking a lot longer, but in some ways I kind of think it made the process a bit more enjoyable. The deadlines with the publisher weren't as set in stone. They were much more flexible than maybe they would have been only because they knew printing would take longer and that, you know, everyone like my family had things we had to deal with. Now I'm homeschooling a kid who can't go to school and the illustrators dealing with, you know, so it was a much more forgiving process, probably in a lot of ways, because we had to deal with it during COVID. But obviously, once you start, you, you just want your book in your hands. So it was I'm sure. ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah. And how has, I know you mentioned that you've been on a podcast tour. Or do you have any plans to promote it in person? What have you done to promote and market it? I was a little, a little bummed that our, this particular publisher, it's a New York publisher, but they have a big presence in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, and I love Nashville. And normally they have a red carpet event every Sunday to kind of make a big fuss about all their authors, et cetera, et cetera. We all get to meet each other from around the country and around the world, actually. And of course they couldn't do that last summer. They're hoping maybe they'll be able to do it this fall. So we'll see, but yes, a lot of virtual book tours, a lot of virtual interviews, but I have been able to start doing in the last couple months, some in-person appearances. My family's members at the Omni La Costa resort, which is not far away from us. And they've been very supportive to be able to feature a local author there. So I've been able to do a few book signings there. And uh, I did get to go to my son's preschool that he used to attend and do a reading there with all the kids. So that was really special. Any opportunity I can to to share. And And I know we met through a mom group. No, I'm trying to think. I found you, I think on Podmatch. Okay. I know there was another author I met on a Facebook mom group. So I'm probably confusing you too, but have you checked like with the mom groups? Cause I didn't realize like, that's a whole thing. Like It is a whole thing. You are so yes. right. You're so, you ought to tell me about which mom groups you're in, but yes, yeah. I have. It's been nice to, to connect with ladies just in different 
industries that I don't know much about and, and that they don't, they don't know much about writing books and the publishing experience and things like that. So it's been a very, I was never into Facebook before (laughs) any of this. And now I realize I need to, I was always just an Instagram kind of girl. And now I realize that Facebook is still where there are a lot of parent groups, maybe not just when you're trying to reach one person here and one person there, but from, from a group perspective, it seems like Facebook's a, a great platform. Yeah. What I've seen, because when I started all of this with my podcast and we'll talk as two, I guess, entrepreneurs now, you know, I, when I started my podcast two years ago, I didn't know where it was going to take me. Same thing with like, you're like, I have this idea. I don't know. And then it's, it's now turned into what it, what it's turned into and having an LLC and turning it into a business. But I had made Mm -hmm. a promise that I didn't want to make Instagram the only place I was going to sell. Right. I come from corporate and I'm like, I'm not the content creator person. I, Mm -hmm. I realized in creating it, which I'm sure you can attest to, it takes time and time, like the mental capacity of it. And I didn't want to outsource because that's expensive. So I was like, yeah, okay, let me start my local and let me build from there. And then I feel Mm -hmm. like it will come. But what I noticed afterwards is to your point, yes, Instagram, you reach a lot of people, but I think it's just the picture of it and people, a lot of videos, very quick. Sure. Facebook truly. Yeah. I'm, I'm a part of some like really big groups. I have local ones in South Florida, but there's like mompreneur groups that like have thousands of people from like across the country. So I will send them to you. Most of it is just general, but they will allow you like, let's say on a Tuesday or Wednesday to market or promote. So I've mm-hmm. met some great women. I'm like, Oh, I have a podcast and they'll reach out to me. And there's been a couple of people like, Oh, I'm an author on this and people will respond. So I think it's, it's crazy how on a marketing entrepreneur standpoint, how many people you can reach in those posts, because that's exactly what those moms are looking for. You're right. able to reach someone who is specifically looking for what you have. Right, Where right. Instagram, you're kind of hoping it's like, a yeah. spin the wheel. And <laughs> yeah, hope, exactly. <laughs> hope it hits someone where Facebook, you can actually connect one post and have hundreds of views and have it being what a woman wants to see. Right. You know, Facebook has been tremendous, but again, both of them working on two different things, but yeah, mm-hmm. I did not want to become this Instagram influencer and need my business to run based off of Instagram sales. I was like, there's no way, like I'm going to have to never work and just become a content creator because right, it's that right. taxing, you know? Yeah. It's very, very time consuming. Exactly. Especially if you want to do it right. Sure. But anyway, so where can people purchase the book now? Well, if you would like it signed, like you went to my website, thegrowingbed.com. So I'm able to personalize it for your son and write him a little note and sign it from Rebecca. Then thegrowingbed.com is the best way to do it. If you would just like to grab a copy for your school or maybe some Christmas gifts coming up, then anywhere else you can buy a book, basically target.com, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all of those traditional places. But if you want a little handwritten note from me to, you know, Johnny or Susie or whomever, then thegrowingbed.com is a a good place to go. Awesome. Now, do you have any other books in the works? It's funny you should ask. So, you know, when you're dating somebody for a really long time, they're like, when are you getting married? And then you get married and they're like, when are you having a baby? And then you have a baby. And when are you having another baby? (laughs) Well, I was never, like I said, anticipating writing a book. But then when you write a book, everyone says, when are you writing another book? <laughs> and I was, I'm like, well, give me five minutes with this one. Let's see how this one goes. And I am sure. having a blast, by the way. I'm not complaining at all. But that being said, if I had to, if someone said, well, you know what? The secret to making the first book a success is to write a second or a third one. I have some other ideas. 
floating around my head that I, that I would hopefully get someday get to, to see come to fruition. But yeah. this has been just such a, I almost am nervous. You know how, when someone says, well, the, our first baby's so perfect, but <laughs> you know, like my first experience writing a book and marketing and the publishing has been so wonderful. I'm almost nervous that it wouldn't, wouldn't go as well, but yeah, I do have some other ideas and that's the beauty of books. I was, I ran into a girl the other day at the hair salon and she's like, I've always wanted to write a book. And I said, well, tell me about it. And she said, well, it's a recipe book. And there's a million books. I said, there are a million books about how to get your kid to go to sleep. A hundred, there's so many, but there's, you know, what's the saying? There's a million ways to skin a cat, which is, um, we're probably not allowed to say that anymore, but you know, there's so many different ways to approach any one problem. This is what worked for my family. Hopefully it works for your family. Another family can look at it and go, not in a million years, it's not going to happen. So, you know, these other ideas that I've got floating around in my head, they're not novel ideas. They're just my take on it. They're just what worked for our family. If it works for one person, there's a lot of people in this world that there's someone else that's got to work for, right? I love that. I mean, I think I think that hits it on the head for any entrepreneur listening to this because I think we do get scared and they're like, there's no way, like there's another, you know, think of all the beauty products. How many mascaras are there? Oh my gosh, right. Why shouldn't it be successful for you just because somebody else has done it? There's, I can't imagine there's any new problem out there and therefore no new solutions like it's it's your spin it's your take on things you know correct no and the only reason why I asked is I was like I wonder if from a publisher standpoint like have they been like oh come on so are they like hey when you're ready you're ready this was a good one and we'll see how it goes from there they've been very supportive I've had copies in my hands since the beginning of the year the actual public release date was just early August so it's only just started to hit physical shelves so I'm sure just like me they're gonna kind of look at the numbers and see how things go so thank you for helping me on that front I would like to think the the feeling was mutual and the fact that I've enjoyed so much the process with them that that hopefully they've enjoyed the process with me as well and would be open to to seeing the next book idea awesome so with the book obviously you know you're writing the growing bed so you know what do you really really hope that your readers get from the book other than obviously that they get a good night's sleep what's the mission overall what would make you happy one thing that I think the the book offers is not just a solution to getting your child to sleep through the night. It offers two other things that I think are important to touch on. It offers a way to start the conversation about empathy with your children. It touches on the fact that the mom says to Andy, you know, and on the nights you come into our bed, mommy and daddy don't get to sleep. And that makes us really tired and it makes us really sad. So the child can start to learn how their behavior affects mommy and daddy. And I I can't imagine there's a kid in the world that wants to make their parents tired and sad, right? So Mm -hmm. it's a a very broad stroke under which you can start that conversation of teaching your child to feel how others might feel as a result of your behavior. That their actions are a direct correlation of how the person is going to be affected by it. Yeah, Right. I mean, it's easy to, to draw the conclusion between if you sleep, you'll grow. And if you'll grow, you get to go on the water slide. That's that gratification that all of us want, right? But this is a, it's a different spin on it where they get to see that if I do what I'm supposed to do, then everyone's happy, not just not just me, you know. And then the other concept that is addressed in the book is the fact that this 
idea of sleeping and resting and whatnot is not just for the house. You know, little Andy goes to his grandma's house and his grandma has the growing bed there. And in the book, not to give it away, but you learn how the growing bed is activated, if you will, and how every bed becomes a growing bed by one little action right before the the kiddo goes to bed. But, and we still use this concept in our house today. My son's eight, like I mentioned, and we just went on vacation. And the very first thing we do to this day, I kid you not, when we walk into a hotel room is the hotel room will have two beds in it. And we say, all right, Anderson, which one's the growing bed? And he picks which of the two beds is his growing bed. And that's it. That's his bed for the vacation, for the trip. So it's a concept you can, you can use universally you can use it at grandma's house or your aunt's house and you know the the nanny can benefit from it when she's trying to put the kid to bed or, or babysitters or you know it's something you can take with you everywhere oh my gosh you have me so excited to receive it because mm-hmm. I could already see of me being like Jace guess what I have for you and his eyes going really and then you think we have the growing bed book and like making it into this Aww. thing so I'm, I'm super super excited for it okay so now let's get into a little bit about Rebecca what do you do with all of this going on because you are a career woman new newly entrepreneur you're doing all of these book tours amazing you know what do you do to kind of relax and unwind for the day and what does your morning and evening routine look like Mornings are pretty family focused. We get up, it's, you know, making sure my son's ready for school, a good breakfast, clothes, hair, Uh, he wears a uniform to school. So that's, that's a little bit easier, you know, thank God for uniforms, I think sometimes because it takes half the battle out of the day and, and hair and brushing and teeth and all that stuff. And then we're out the door to school. And so it's pretty streamlined in the morning. And then my afternoons, as you touched on, because I, I have so many different irons in the fire. I could be in the office one day. I could be at a book signing one day. Uh, I like to play tennis. So I could be playing tennis in the morning as my, as my exercise. I'm my son's room mom. So I like to do something in that aspect as much as we're allowed to right now with COVID, but lots of different activities during the day. And then in the afternoon, kind of right back into that mom mode. And then once my son's asleep, then I get to be a wife for a little little while, which is really nice. And which is another reason why I think, you know, sleep is so important because once the kids go to bed, you need to have time with your partner or time with just yourself and your thoughts to decompress from the day kind of thing. But yeah, tennis relaxes me. You were asking uh, what I like Mm -hmm. to do in my spare time. So tennis And again, being out here in in San Diego, we're blessed with such great weather year round. So golf, paddle boarding, kind of all the outdoor stereotypical outdoor stuff that we're we're lucky enough to be able to do in San Diego quite a lot. San Diego is absolutely beautiful. I love just the vibe and the restaurants and it's a very healthy, clean lifestyle. Like it's just, it's just awesome. Okay. So anything else exciting that you'd like to share before we get into my quick get to know? No, I, I just, I thank you for the opportunity. I love, you've got such a vast array of guests on your podcast. It's really terrific that you embrace the, the, the multifaceted aspects of being a mom and because it is, it is so all encompassing. So it's just been really great to listen to your podcast and now get to be on it. And so it's, it's been wonderful. Thank you. Okay. So what is your favorite book? My favorite book, my favorite book 
actually rotates every other month. I have a book club. I go by Becky with some of my girlfriends. So it's Becky's book club and we meet every other month because no one's got time for every month. So some of my favorites have actually been the murder mysteries, which is really I'm not sure why, because I don't like scary movies or anything, but the silent patient was a really good one. And then there was another one called the smallest part. Those are probably two of my favorites in the last three years. So they were really good. Yeah, I think murder mysteries have a little difference than a movie. I think a movie because I mean, you could feel from the music because I'm, I'm a horror buff, but it does make me scared afterwards. <laughs> so it's like I'm a glutton for punishment. But yeah, I can see why because I love murder mysteries too, but it does have a different element like you're reading as opposed to like seeing something like it's just different yeah. the sounds. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah, I don't like the ah, like people jumping out scary in a movie. But I think part of why I'm drawn to the murder mysteries is the pace of the book. You you read it much quicker and like with a more of an intensity, like I can't put this down. I've got to find out kind of thing. Whereas the romance books and stuff, they're nice, but it's like, I could read three pages here, three pages there, you know, but yeah, I've got it. I don't have a lot of time. So I got to move through. (laughs) (laughs) A hundred percent. What is your favorite movie or if not, because I've actually had quite a few guests who are like, "Ah, I don't really know, but if you don't have a favorite movie, what is a current show that you maybe you're binge watching or have just binge watched? I love movies in general. I don't think I have like a favorite one. I'm actually a big theater buff, big musicals, love going to musicals. My husband and I have had season tickets to our local musical theater forever and love, love, love them. However, that being said, TV wise, I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. I think that's because, well, my, well, I know it is my husband's British and I just think between Ted Lasso's thick American accent, Southern accent and his total disregard for football. He is not interested. So, but I love Ted Lasso. So Jason Sudeikis, if you're listening, I love it. And then Manifest is a really good one too. Have you seen Manifest? Well, we're ready for the new seasons, the new episodes to come. I'm I'm all in. I'm going to need them to come out immediately, like immediately. I'm with you. I remember my husband and I binge watched that like serious. Like I remember I had deadlines with clients and I had just, I had another client and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm going to be exhausted tomorrow, but we had to watch. It's an amazing show. It did upset me a little bit because there were. Don't ruin anything for me. I'm not quite, I'm not done at the end of the second season. No, 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 no. Nothing. It's it's from the beginning. What's the sister, Michaela and her guy, when they kept going back and forth and tell me, and she wouldn't tell him. And I was like, okay. Like and then that, now Zeke's in the picture and now she's lost the, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a little bit, but I told my husband, I'm so invested in the show. Cause I need to know like what happened, but Netflix has done an amazing job with, with Haven't their they? content. Yeah. They've been really good. It's really good kid stuff too. Like they do. Does your son watch tumble leaf that it's like, oh. a, it's not a cartoon. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's claymation. It's, I should know what it is. It's it's called Tumble Leaf, oh. and it's the sweetest, sweetest little show for kids. It's so cute. Nice. I have to check it out. Um, and was it Netflix? It might be Amazon Prime. It doesn't matter. But Tumble Leaf, you'll love okay. it. Okay, I'll have to check it out. Thank you. So, who makes up your village? I know you have your son, your husband, but who is it really that Rebecca counts on, and that really kind of comes in, and you know, it's it's your village. I pretty good neighborhood village right now. One of my friends once said that I have a tendency to show up and throw up, which means if I meet you at a gas station, you're like my best friend, which is normally okay. It has burned me a little bit in the last few years, but overall, I've always been like that. And I like to invite everybody to everything. 
And I would say only 2% of that has ever ended up not being good. So I think just because we are all so busy as women that those who actually are geographically closest to you, just because of the time factor tend to be those you see the most often, and then therefore rely on the most and and open up to the most and offer yourself to the most. So we are fortunate enough to live in a new community that was just created in late 2019. So it's been really nice getting to know the families in our new neighborhood, a lot of new moms too, which has been really really great to be able to, you know, my kids only eight, but we've got other moms here whose kids are like 16, 17. So they kind of take moms like me under their wing. And then I take the ones who were just now having babies under my wing. So it's been a really neat thing to almost literally be creating our village. So that's been pretty, pretty special. I love that. Yeah. My husband and I had talked about it because the neighborhood where we live in, they didn't have a lot of kids. And then mm-hmm. I don't know, within the last couple of years, we've had this like growth and families and we love it because I grew up in a neighborhood with a lot of kids from mm-hmm. pretty much all the way through high school. And then high school, it didn't mm-hmm. really matter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, my son is an only child and listen, are we going to have, and yeah, then we saw the kids on the bikes and I'm like, Oh, I love it. And it, it just makes a different dynamic to your point. Yes, of course. I mean, I have best friends that I've been friends with since middle school. And I mean, those are, those are my girlfriends, but there is something about your village where you live that, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know, you have that safety of who you're living next to. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome because I I do feel we kind of losing that a little bit. Yeah. Um, Our last neighborhood, we lived very close to each other, but unless you had a dog and you were out there all the time walking your dog, the neighbors didn't really interact that much with each other other and this neighborhood we still don't have a dog but I tried to make it a very conscious effort for everyone to meet each other and I just wanted to have that situation where we could kind of try to get back to we'll come home when the street lights are on you know or oh I'm going down to Johnny's house and you know that Johnny's parents are cool and everything's safe and and you know that if your kid gets hungry Johnny's mom will feed him. And just that old fashioned sense of community, which I I, I guess some people might think that's hokey or cheesy. But for me, I like longed for that. I long to be able to tell my kids, like my grandkids someday that, oh, yeah, you're, you know, your dad just rode around and played with friends in the dirt lot back there. And then they went up to the swings. And, you know, so just to kind of get back to that old school. Yeah, stuff a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. That's exactly why I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, thank God. I mean, we're still very busy, and I've been mm. saying we need to have a, a block party or something, you know. Mm. But yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think it's something beautiful, and unfortunately, we are losing it. You know, we are in a different time, and it is unsafe in a lot of times. So you have mm. to be careful. But when you have a sense of community that you know your child can play safely, that's a big weight off of your shoulders. Sure. I think we all want to feel safe where we live. Right. Um, so that's awesome. Okay, so what is the favorite item in your home? Oh, in this new house, is it bad to say that my new closet is my favorite? Oh, I got so lucky with a really nice closet in in this house. (laughs) But so I really do like my closet. It's a mess right now, but I just like it. It it allows me to put like my girly things on display and I put a little rug in there and I have my own. I think what I like most about it is that I have my own closet and then my husband has his own closet. So he doesn't need to see me get all dressed like I can just come out dressed you know just kind of again a bit old-fashioned but I think I really I really like that I love it if you could travel anywhere in the world right now where would it be well I would travel anywhere 
where it's safe to go and yes. where we could breathe freely and whatnot. So let's say two years ago, if you had asked me this question, I've always wanted to go to Spain. I've never been to Spain. I've heard it's beautiful and, and it just sounds amazing to me. I speak enough Spanish. Well, I speak enough Mexico Spanish, not Spain Spanish, <laughs> mm-hmm. that I could probably get by. I could either get into trouble real quick or out of trouble, but uh, I just always wanted to go. My husband's been before, so he promised if he took me, he would pretend like it, it wasn't all old news to him. But And where's your husband from? You said he's British. Yes, he was born in London, but he's uh, been in the States since 86. Oh, wow. Have you been to Europe at all? Have you been to London? Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love it. I love it there. We actually used to spend every other Christmas in England. And this last year was the Christmas we weren't planning to go, which actually worked out because they didn't want us to go. Well, (laughs) England, not our family. Yes. yes. This year was supposed to be in England for Christmas and it's probably not going to happen. So we just are trying to encourage our family from over there to come here since the weather will be way better than it will be in London this December. So we'll see, but I love it. It's so quintessentially Christmas over there. And Europe in general is just beautiful. Oh, Um, it's wonderful. The train and it doesn't take long to get out of the city to get to the big rolling green hills. And it, again, it's such a storybook environment in the real world it's amazing yeah. you can get there in 11 hours it really yeah, actually I love that story because it's true it's magical it really yeah. is everywhere I've been in in Europe and we've been twice but each time was like a two-week time so like mm-hmm. you know a few days here Amsterdam and so on and so forth mm-hmm. and there's still so much that we haven't seen but we have seen a lot and yeah it's just magical like gosh like it just does something okay so what has motherhood taught you oh motherhood has taught me to listen to only certain people (laughs) and to really just trust my gut instinctually. My sister, I feel like was born to be a mom. Like she just, it came so naturally to her and it, she just handled all the ups and downs and the curveballs so wonderfully. And I was the opposite. I'm like making lists and reading books and trying to figure things out and schedule and plan and spend money on garbage I didn't need and all that stuff. Whereas she just had this like, I was made to be a mom, you know, and I look at that and I'm envious, but then there are probably other moms who look at me and my lists and my planners and my books and they're, they may be their envious. So I think just to, to learn to trust the way that you parent is the way that you should be parenting. There's a no wrong way to love your, your kid and, and to nurture and take good care of your kids. So just because you do it differently than the next mom doesn't mean that either of you are doing it wrong. And it's easy before you have kids to say, oh, I would never X, Y, Z. Like I would never bring an iPad to dinner and let my kid be on his iPad at dinner. Oh, really? Give yourself about two more years. You'll be there. You know, things like that. Just the, all the things you just don't think you'll ever do or the things you think you will do. I'm going to make all my baby's food from scratch. Are you really? After you've worked a 10 hour day? Okay. All right. All right. You know what I mean? Like just those little things. So, And, and to your point, there are some where it just comes naturally. And I'm like, sure. it, it didn't come naturally to me in that instance. And I thought it would because I always wanted to be a mom. But truthfully, mm-hmm. you don't know what it's like to be a parent until you're a parent and I know it sounds so cliche and like of course not but I'm like no you yeah, really yeah, have like yeah. no, no idea <laughs> because your but child in the best way right in the, correct yeah, in the best yeah. way it's amazingly beautiful exhausting exhilarating mm-hmm. and all 
of the emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, because you know, you don't know what your child's going to be. You don't know how you're going to be once it like it just it's crazy. But yes, to your point, I love that, you know, just to my listeners, know your child and know that you're doing what's best for your child. I think it's good to get input. But like my husband mm-hmm. told me the other day, we were talking about something. And he's like, look, I know what the therapy, you know, all this peaceful parenting and all this stuff. He's mm-hmm. like, but no one knows us and no one knows our child. So right. I think it has to be a little combination of everything absolutely. you get. Oh, absolutely. You know, this worked for you. Cool. This one. Mm-hmm. Hmm, well, what if we put it together to your earlier point, like your book, there might be other books about putting your child to bed and all these things, but this is your perspective. This is what worked for you. And it worked. And if it resonates with someone else and other people, then, Hey, that's, I think all that matters. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your journey. Tell my listeners where they can follow you. Of course, my pleasure. My favorite place to be is on Instagram. So at the growing dad, you'll find me there and and fun little pictures and my personal mom tips and, and fun stuff that the book's doing. And then also some very embarrassing stuff that I've done as a, as a parent over the years, just to keep me humble and make everyone know that they're not alone in this basically. And then uh, if you'd like to order a signed and personalized copy of the book, the growingbed.com is where you should head. Perfect. And again, they can find you on target, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Thank you. Thank take you. care. Great to and chat with you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me this week on the mama's no best. We got something to say podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, NGC Consulting, where you can find them at NicoleGConsulting.com. For more motherhood resources, check out TheMotherhoodVillage.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you'll never miss an episode. And if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or recommendation to a friend works too. And join us next time for another amazing conversation. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.